It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, for more information on the show, you can now like us on Facebook. Simply visit our Facebook page by going to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. We begin this morning with Tiffany Adams. She's founder and president of the Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute. It's our pleasure to welcome Tiffany Adams to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Rodney. Now, first of all, tell us about Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute and the services you provide. So the Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute provides business etiquette and international protocol training programs. And basically, our curriculum is broken down into three cornerstones, business etiquette, the second one being dining etiquette, and the third one being international protocol. Okay. So give us an idea of your background before you started this company about a year and a half ago, I understand. Yes. yes. So my experience is I have over 15 years in the corporate America, primarily the financial service industry in banking. And then I have uh, experience in the nonprofit world as well. And um, I've just always wanted to, I've just had a passion for this industry because of my parents. My father was a um, colonel in the Air Force, so he was a career officer and I was raised with all the protocol values. And then I'm a second generation Protocol School of Washington graduate because my mom also um, inspired me because she had her own business and etiquette as well. And then it became personal with my two sons going into um, college in the work world. Okay. Now tell us about the clientele you work with and mm-hmm. and who is most interested in your services. Yes. So the Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute provides tr- business etiquette training programs to corporations, universities, high schools, uh basically industry, trade associations, just um, primarily, though, in corporations and universities. Okay. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. In the studio with me is Tiffany Adams. She's founder and president of Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute. Now, let's talk about dining etiquette. And I understand that dining etiquette is becoming more important as meals are part of job interviews and job the job interview process. And Fortunately, I've been here for 24 years, so I haven't been on a job interview in quite mm-hmm. some time. Um, how true is that, and why is dining such an important setting for employers? Well, first of all, uh, Carnegie and Stanford and Harvard did a joint research study, and basically their research studies revealed that uh, 85% of the skills in, involved in job success is due to people skills, and only 15% of job success is due to um, basically technical knowledge or the education. So I I found it important to empower individuals with these professional development skills. It's some people say it's a lost art. However, if you're interested in leadership, advancing in, in your career, relationship building skills and communication skills, it's important in the dining room Job interviews, basically around the third or the uh, fourth round in a job interview, that's when the corporations, when they've expressed enough interest in you and they really want to closely observe 
can you handle a, a dining room situation? Because someday you're going to be representing their company in front of maybe a high net worth client or senior management of the company. And they want to know that you, you have these well-rounded skills as well. Now, one of the things that inspired this particular show, this particular interview, um, I was at an event and I sat down at a table and it was a fancy table and we had all kinds of napkins and forks and spoons and glasses. And the young lady that sat next to me, she was like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. I don't mm-hmm. know where to start. And, you know, it was kind of funny because I kind of thought, you know, here I am, this guy from Wind Terrace. I grew up in that area. I mean. I'm barely making it myself, you know. Right, right. So when you sit down at this table and you have a hundred forks and spoons and glasses, how do you know which one is yours, which utensil to use? How do you know? And that that's the advantage of having this etiquette intelligence so that you can be comfortable in those situations and you can concentrate on the the conversation, the business at hand, or more importantly, building that relationship with the person that you're Um, dining with and you're not worried about your dining skills. So how you know, there's a little trick. There's several little tricks of the trade. One image that I like to imagine is a a place setting and you you picture the the luxury logo BMW on your place setting. So B would be at the left, which would be the bread plate. And then M would be the meal, which would be the dinner plate. And then the water is at the right, which would be the water or wine. So you can picture it like that. Okay, that's that's a good tip. That's a good tip. I've also heard when my wife, she tries to explain to me, she tries to educate me <laughs> at times. She says, you just eat your way out of your, um, you know, you, your forks and spoons and things like that. I was, it kind of makes sense. But then if you're, you have to overthink it, it doesn't make sense. Right. So that's when you start to think of your place setting as a roadmap and you work yourself from the outside in. So your silverware, you start from the outside. So the smaller fork is going to be your salad. So that's what's going to be delivered to you first. Your soup spoon is going to be on the far right. So then you go into the the soup and then you work your way in and it just gives you a roadmap. You can kind of figure out the the courses that are going to be served to you based on, on the silverware. Okay. Now let's start with some basic things when we talk about dining room etiquette. Um, what should we know here? I'll give you a couple of things now. Mm-hmm. Who should sit down first? If you're at a dinner, who should sit down first? If you're at a dinner, you always allow the guests to sit down first. Um, If you're at a banquet of some sort, if there's eight people seated around a round table, let's say, you you always want to stand behind your chair until other guests arrive. And then, um, and the whole advantage of that is being able to stand up and shake hands because you don't want to be shaking hands from, from your seat while, while they're arriving. So then you can work yourself around the whole table, shake hands, smile, make good eye contact and meet the people before sitting down. So you have an idea of, of who you're going to be dining with. If it's just the two of you, you always want to make sure that your guest sits down first. Now, when you're in a group of people, um, when is it appropriate to start eating? This came up in um, a party that I was in. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, if there's less than eight people, you do it a certain way. If there's more than eight people, you do it a certain way. Help me out. So you always look at the table host. And whenever the host of the table begins, that's your signal. If there isn't a host at the table, it's just basically when you, everybody has been served completely. And, and, and then you can begin. So if you're sitting at a table of 10 mm-hmm. and you're at a formal setting, you're yes. being served, 
you have to wait to everybody serve you. Even if you're first person, number one, right. you have to wait to person number 10 to serve before you can start. Right. You, you can do two things before that point. You can put your napkin on your, your lap and then you can sip your water, but try not to order drinks or coffee or anything like that. You can sip your water until everybody is served and then you can begin. Okay. So I've been in some fancy settings where, you know, they're serving, you know, they're serving a fancy pizza, let's mm-hmm. say. And I know there are some foods you can eat with your hands. Right. Some you shouldn't, some you can. Help me out here. What's the rule of etiquette here? Well, it, it, it really depends on the food itself. If if you're having shrimp cocktail, let's say, um, it's okay if if the shrimp is served with the shell in place, it's okay to pick it up from from the shell to eat the eat the shrimp. If you're at a very fancy dinner and they have some sort of gourmet pizza, I I would probably stick to the silverware with a fork and the knife and and go from there. Um, And a lot of this also depends on whether you're using American dining style versus European because we're the only the United States is the only country in the world that is still using the American dining style. The rest of the world uses European. Okay, we're going to stick with American right okay. now. I think that's what everyone is going to be comfortable with. Now, going back to eating with your hands or not, I heard that if it used to fly when it was alive, it's okay <laughs> to eat it with your hands. So that would be like chicken and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about a piece of fried chicken or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the rule? Is that rule correct or what is that? I actually have not heard about that rule, but <laughs> I, I tend to always use the silverware, um, you know, and, and, and unless it is like a fried chicken or something, it, it's fine to, to pick up your hands. Just make sure that you have plenty of, of napkins in order to make sure you're tidy and clean throughout the meal. Okay. And again, in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. In the studio with me now is Tiffany Adams. She's founder and president of Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute. This morning, we're talking about dining etiquette, and we'll get into some business etiquette and some international etiquette. But right now, we're talking about dining etiquette. Now, what are some major do's and taboos when, we, when we're at the dinner table? Basically, the the dining dues and table taboos, it, it depends on the situation. However, the most important thing is to um, work on the relationship and making the other person feel feel comfortable. Um, it, 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 it depends on what, what course of the meal that you're talking about as far as, um, let's say, that you have your bread delivered to you. Uh, you certainly don't pick up the the bread and and kind of start cutting it up or or um, into many pieces. You you just break it off one piece at a time and then and then you butter. Um, when some a lot of people aren't aware that when you first sit down and you see the salad dressings on the plate or the the bread basket, who's responsible for getting that circulated around the table? And it's whoever's sitting nearest. And then what you do is you serve. You hold on to the bread basket and you'll offer it to the person on your left because you don't want to punish them just for sitting on your left. But then you you um, offer them one piece, but then you serve to the right and it goes around the table to the right. Hmm. So that's just one one example. Oh, this uh, is a lot to remember. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, another taboo would would um, basically be putting on lipstick or makeup at the table, exchanging business cards or exchanging business card. It's proper to do before the meal or after, but never during the meal. Um, so you want to, you want to keep that in mind. Um, 
Okay. And also no ores in the water. So example, when, when you're using your silverware to cut up your meat, um, you never let the silverware hang off the plate and touch touch the table. Some people will, will use the table as a resting and have the handle resting on the table and then the rest of it on the plate. But you, you never have any, no any ores in the water. Um, and then you never put, after you've used a utensil, you never put it back on the table. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Um, now, how do you indicate that you're finished with the meal? So, so that depends on if it's American or, di- or European, we're American. but we're American. So you picture your plate as a clock. So the position of 10, 20, 20 minutes after 10, you you will put your uh, fork with tines up and, and your uh, uh, knife. And you put that slightly apart when you're just resting. Let's say you want to take a drink of your water or engage in brilliant conversation, of course, at the table. Then you slightly put your fork and your knife in the 10-20 position slightly apart. And then when you're finished, all you do is put them together. And you want to make sure that the sharp part of your knife is is pointing in. Okay. There's definitely a resting position and a finishing position. Okay. Now, do you announce when you you need to be excused? It, It reminds me of being a kid. Can I be excused from the table, but as an adult, is that something you should do? Yes, you just discreetly and quietly uh, speak to the person that you're talking to and simply say, please excuse me. But you don't want to go on and on about, you know, how you have to use the ladies' room or the men's room. And <laughs> it's been a long night and everything and that you've been needing to go or whatever. I, I'm just imagining <laughs> what people might say. Right. And a lot of people do feel like they have to, to give a dissertation on, on why they're leaving. But you just say, please excuse me. And then you push your chair and and you leave on the right just as you enter on the right. And then you put your napkin on the chair uh, folded and then make sure you push your chair back in. One important dining do is is um, consideration for the wait staff. I think a lot of people um, forget about the wait staff and they're working hard. You spoke about a banquet with many people. They're working hard to to maneuver in and out of these tables. So you want to push your chair back in so they're not tripping over your chair. And also they may be clearing and serving from one side to another. And when they're serving on your right, you want to lean to your left just to be considerate of, of them. And if you do have any requests, let's say someone has commandeered or stolen your your um, bread plate, let's say, because they didn't know which side, they didn't use the BMW rule, and and they've ta- commandeered. They've been dining with me, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sure you were just fine, Rodney. So um, let's say they take your your bread plate. You just quietly say to the waitstaff, whenever it's convenient and whenever you have a free time, I, I need a, a new bread plate or a new piece of silverware or something like that. But just please show consideration to the waitstaff because they, they work hard. All right. One more final thing on dining etiquette. Now, when you're tipping and toasting, mm-hmm. what's the rules there? So tipping and toasting, Some with tipping, some people... Uh, Use the range of 15 to 20 percent. Uh, again, your wait staff works hard, so it's just easier, and I recommend the 20 percent. Um, that way you're not having to get your calculator or app out on your phone to try to figure it out, and that way you're not disrupting the conversation. Um, it, it's just it's just easier to, to pay the 20 percent. Uh, like I said, you want that art of conversation to keep going smoothly and your focus should be on the other person and, and not trying to figure out the 15%. The toasting, there's um, you just want to 
be seated, be, um, be, begin, and be brief. There's kind of the three B's behind that. Um, you want to make sure that when you, there's a rule, one never toast, one never drinks a toast to oneself. So if someone is doing a toast, let's say you're hosting the, the party and they do a toast for you, you never pick up your wine glass or, or your beverage glass um, when you're being toasted to. Um, that's just one never drinks the toast to oneself. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that one. <laughs> and right. you always pick up a wine glass at the stem. There's a reason why they call it stemware. Um, you never pick it up by the, the bowl of the glass unless it's a brandy sniffer. Because what you're doing is when you pick it up at the bowl of the glass, you're altering the temperature of the wine or whatever you're drinking. And um, that alters the flavor. So you always pick it up with a stem. Mm, Well, now I know. There you go. All right. In case you're just tuning in, we're talking to etiquette expert Tiffany Adams. Now let's move on. Let's talk about business etiquette. And the main focus of your company is business etiquette. When clients contact you, what are they looking to learn? Basically, when clients contact me, they're looking to empower their emerging leaders, let's say the millennial generation. And really, these skills apply to all ages. But in the course of the next decades, we're about to bear witness to the largest demographic shift in the workplace in modern history. Um, 75% of our workforce is going to be fueled with millennials uh, in the United States on a global basis. About 50% of the labor force is is going to be um, millennials. So by the year 2025, 75% of our workforce is going to be millennials. And that's really altering the dynamics of the work culture because you're having to, there's multi um, generations that you're having to deal with now. You're having a lot of young people with young habits and young dress and young behavior, young thinking coming in to this workplace. And business etiquette gives you the um, kind of the the boundaries and the guidelines to know how to behave and how to interact smoothly with the, a multi generational workforce. Now, let's talk about some basics when it comes to business, eye contact, handshakes, greetings, introductions. What should our listeners know here? Yeah, so the the basics are, are basically what I call principles of professionalism. Eye contact is extremely important because it transmits energy. That's what begins the connection with the other person. It transmits your energy in your eyes. It, um, it, it allows the other person, it basically encourages the other person to listen to what you're saying more. Um, so, so eye contact is, is definitely important not to have eye leakage where you, if you've ever been talking to someone and they start looking at the person behind you or entering the room or just being plain distracted and not looking in your eyes, it makes you not feel as important or special. And that's what business etiquette is, is, is trying to make that person feels important as possible and and trusted. Okay, let's move on to handshakes and introductions. What should our listeners know here in terms of etiquette? Yes, handshakes are extremely important. Before um, first impressions, you receive the first impression of a person in, um, or you make a first impression of a person in seven seconds. And handshakes are all about making that first impression before even a word is spoken. So a lot can be said with handshakes. Um, if you don't know how to do a proper handshake and and the length of time and how to go about doing it properly, a lot can be said. There's different types. There's the bone crushing handshake. There's the stiff arm thrust. There's the the wimpy fish. There's the fingertip handshake, and it really says a lot about a different person. And 
um, a person that knows how to do a proper handshake with a smile and eye contact, it just presents a very um, refined, professional way of of, um, interacting with a person. Introductions are the hallmark of professionalism. If you know how to introduce two people, make those two people comfortable, have a conversation starter between those two people where you can easily walk away, then you've done your job. Um, and in order to make each person feel important and special, it's it, it's real pivotal to to know how to to do a proper introduction. Um, I also do email introductions because there's a lot of times where you're we become very email driven, and you're introducing two people f- by email, and there's a definite protocol in order to give the two people the information they they need in order to carry on the conversation. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Here, mm-hmm. I want to go back to that good point. Now, business attire. It seems like more companies are moving to a more casual direction when it comes to business attire. What's appropriate in the office nowadays? So I use the rule basically of dressing for the two positions above you because we're all wanting to either move up or have ambitions mm. above you. So I always try to try to look at the the two levels above you, and that's how you you want to um, aim for your dressing. And it, the workforce is becoming very casual, but basically what you want to do is stay away from flip-flops, anything that you would be wearing to the gym. A lot of corporations are, you have to park a far distance away and you put on your tennis shoes or flip-flops during the summer. And a lot of people are going into corporations wearing these. And it's really, like I said, the first seven seconds is what gives the first impressions. And and that's what matters the most. So you really don't want to walk into your office wearing the gym shoes or the flip-flops and and keep them on for an extended period of time. Um, Business casual can still be sharp. It can still be put together and 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 still be um, in in good taste, but there's you just have to keep it appropriate. Okay, now what should we wear to that all important job interview? And you talk about classic and keeping things mm-hmm. like traditional. I think that's something, in my opinion, you probably want to stay really traditional. Is my feeling? You tell me what you think. You're the expert. Yes, I I tend to go on that a little bit more formal side, especially with interviewing, because that first impression and the last impression is so important. So the business professional, you want to have a matching suit, jacket, and and pants. Um, you want to s- stick to the basics. My my favorite color is the navy blue because it's a color of, of power. You want to wear either white shirts or uh, a light blue, and you know a stripe, a soft stripe is is okay. But I would stay away from. I don't know if you've seen the. The darker, brighter jewel tone uh, button downs. I would stay away from that at a at a at an interview so that the power of your tie stands out. Okay. What about women? The women the same way. Navy blue is is um, represents power. Um, the matching either pants or or um, or, or skirt. The nude uh, hose or tights. Um, and no open toe at that point, just high-heeled pumps. Um, just make sure that I, I like the contrast between a dark color and a white shirt, something clean and, and classy. 
And in case you're just tuning in, you're listening to Sunday Morning Magazine. I'm Rodney Lear. In the studio with me again is Tiffany Adams. She's founder and president of Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute. For more information on the Institute, you can visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Just go there and like us there. Right now, we're talking about business etiquette. Now, you mentioned something. You talked about emails, but let's talk about this Clients are having more of an online presence these days. Um, Tell us what we should know there. And you teach a course on this as well. Yes. And basically the Internet and the electronic devices have radically redefined how we're all communicating nowadays. And I'm, I'm afraid that mediocrity is prevailing. People are becoming a lot more casual, crasp with how they're communicating with each other. They're starting to become um, kind of hiding behind the s- screens and saying things they might not say to someone, person to person, and eyeball to eyeball. So you have to be careful. Uh, the, the emails are, are one thing that I cover in the, in the Internet, the um, social media and how you represent yourself on that social media, uh, making sure that um, we do a lot with LinkedIn, um, just um, which I'm a, a huge believer in LinkedIn, just making sure you have that professional profile page and picture. But there's ways to leverage that social media in order to build relationships. And we get into the whole goal is to build relationships, maybe deepen client retention, new business development. And LinkedIn's a powerful tool, but you have to be professional. You have to be personal with it. And you have to reach that that balance between making sure that you're um, personal yet not too cold because email can be a very cold medium. Okay. Now, you touched on this. You talked about emails. Um, what should we know in terms of email etiquette? And I've said this on the air a couple of times before, but one of my biggest pet peeves is when people use um, like slang, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yes. our acronyms and things mm-hmm. like that, abbreviations. Right. In a professional setting. Yes. E- email, there's a lot of power behind email. We can basically communicate with a person across the world at the same time, just as quickly as we can communicate with a person in the next office. So with that power, it becomes, um, there's a lot of responsibility. And um, how you present yourself really represents who you are, you know, how professional you are and and um, making sure that you don't text like you email because a, a lot of times that's what happens when you've grown up texting or um, posting to Facebook. We're using, we're abbreviating words. We're not worried about misspelled words. We're relying on autocorrect. And, and basically email, I, I like to encourage people to err on more of the formal side until you've gotten to know that person. So there, there's ways to do that. Um, not just launching into your thoughts with the the email. The the polite thing to do is ease someone into your day by saying good morning so and so or good afternoon or hello instead of saying hey and then an exclamation mark. Um, so there's just ways to make sure before you hit that send button to to reread, be courteous of, of other emailers, you know, not to hit the reply all. Um, there's just ways to go about representing yourself and making sure mistakes don't happen and, and, and that you portray yourself professionally. Okay, let's talk about international etiquette. And we've seen this play out um, It's sometimes in the media, having the, you know, the queen come over and then they are in the United States and someone touches them, which they shouldn't. And right. just all kinds of, and there's right. some other things that I can't think of right off the top of my mm-hmm. head. But we know that there's etiquette things that are okay in the United States. Yes. And not so much. Right. <laughs> 
in other cultures. Tell us about that and how you work with clients who have international dealings in terms of etiquette. Well, my favorite quote when it comes to that is is basically um, the single greatest barrier to business success is one erected by culture. When someone doesn't understand the other person's culture and we're becoming such a global marketplace. Um, we're, we're no longer U.S. citizens, but we're world citizens. I mean, of course, we're U.S. citizens, but we're also world citizens. And we're dealing with a multi-generational workforce, but also multicultural with these global companies and, and at universities as they, as they travel, as the students are traveling abroad and, and foreign counterparts are coming here. So it's just real important to project that cultural awareness and exercise some, some sensitivity and respect for other cultures and and not expect them to um, b- basically do what you've been raised with. So I like to talk a, a lot about um, understanding why a certain expectation or a custom or a taboo is important to someone um, by by looking at their education and their history, maybe the region. Um, for example, over in India, there's 23 different languages spoken. So it really depends. You have to peel back the layers of onion. You have to figure out what region of India that person is from and then go from there because that's going to tell you a lot. Um, there's there's ways to interact with people. With Sully's curriculum, we go into the five dimensions of, of culture and we look at five different personality um, traits and we find out where that culture is on those personality traits, and then we compare it to our own, um, to, the, to the United States personality traits, and then we bridge that cultural gap so that we start adapting our style to the, them. Um, for example, in China, their personal space is a lot closer than ours because it's, it's the most um, populated um, area in the world. So, of course, they're going to be closer when, when they interact. So just understanding that a little bit. Um, okay, give us some other examples of some things that might mm-hmm. be appropriate here in the United States yeah. culturally, but not so much in another culture. Right. That was one example, but give right. us another. Well, um, sometimes they are, um, let's say, gift giving. You know, a lot of times you have to exchange gifts when you go over to um, or you'd like to exchange gifts when you go over to different countries. And there's there's definite preferences on how to receive a gift and how to present one based on those five dimensions that that I just mentioned. Um, For, for example, the um, Chinese with with their gift giving, they do not like to open the gift that you've given them in, in front of you. And, and there's a reason for that. That depends on the direct and indirect personalities. And, and they're more indirect. They pay a lot of respect to the gesture itself. And, and they, they don't want to focus on the gift itself. So just don't be offended if you give someone over in China a gift and they don't open it because they're trying to show respect for you by saying, I'd like to concentrate on you and, and not the gift itself. Um, for example, clocks, you would never give someone over in China a clock because it represents death. Um, you have to know their favorite colors are the the red. And so it's nice to, you know, package a gift in, in, into that um, another area of appropriateness is personal questions. Sometimes the American culture is very, um, we don't like to be asked a lot of personal questions, but other cultures go ahead and, and ask you that, because, but it's not to be nosy. It, they're trying to find that common thread. So they might ask you, you know, what your income is or how many children you have and why you raise them a certain way or 
or, you know, hmm. what, why you haven't retired yet or, or something to that effect. And it might be personal to you, but um, it, it, to them, they're just trying to, to find that common bond and get to know you. Now, you teach clients how to work a room and make the best out of a networking opportunity. What advice do you give them? Yes, working a room with a with a plan is very important. Um, a lot of times people will show up to these networking events and flock right to the food or the bar or their friends. They're not sending you to this networking event because they're worried that you're too hungry or thirsty or that you're lonely. They're sending you to promote promote the company. So we, we talk a lot about um, how to work a room with a plan, how, how to do a little research before. So, so if you have the opportunity to know the participants that are going to be there, um, we talk a lot about listening skills. The, um, your listening skills are so critical and you basically, you have the power when you're listening, but then when you talk, you give it away and so we talk a lot about how to connect with a person, how to add value to their lives with the, with the conversation, how to walk into the room and, and have a presence so that, that people do notice you. But more importantly, how to, um, how, how to have a plan and come up with, here's the, the personal contacts that I want to meet, or here's my personal goal for the evening instead of just going to the bar and hanging out with your friends and kind of beehiving with your friends. Um, basically, if you... It's important to meet that goal and, and get around to know how to smoothly enter and leave conversations and then to follow up within 48 hours. That's a real critical part, part about networking, whether it be a phone call or a LinkedIn connection and setting up a lunch. But, but that critical 48 hours of follow up is, is very important. And just how to go about connecting with a person, adding value to conversations and doing so and smoothly. And I always have a business card. I've been out to a couple of networking events and the people that were there didn't even have a business card. Yes. You want to make sure you bring plenty of business cards, but you also want to know when to hand the business cards out. You don't want to make it seem like there's an opening at a hardware store and you're just handing out flyers, for example. You want to know when the appropriate time is to slip the business card. There's also business card um, protocol and how to properly present the business card, where to uh, um, properly stow it and how to how to receive it. And a lot of people think they know about the, the business card protocol, but a person that truly knows all of all of that really, really stands out and sets themselves apart. All right. And with that, we're running out of time this morning. Explain to our listeners why companies should reach out to you for your services. I think they should reach out to the Cincinnati and Etiquette and Leadership Institute. First, you can go to our website, and it's www.etiquetteplease.com, and you can see that it's a broad curriculum. All of our learning journeys are very customized, so I really do a lot of pre-workshop work to understand the challenges that the the corporation or the university or um, the, the millennial generation are having, and then customizing our classes around that just to make sure it's relevant and, and meet, meets their needs. Um, the Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute, one of the most important things is our curriculum and our teaching methods are all through, um, they stem from the Protocol School of Washington. And the Protocol School of Washington is the global industry leader in teaching corporate etiquette and international protocol experts. So they're the only school of its kind that's nationally accredited, which is very important and recognized by the U.S. Department of Education. 
So our curriculum is the uh, very optimal, uh, just very, uh, very strong, high quality, and the teaching methods as well. And we've enriched that curriculum by um, very current and modern uh, research. I've recently had the opportunity to go to Harvard University and take a cross-cultural communications and business class. So our curriculum is extremely up-to-date, relevant, and, and very high quality. All right. And with that, we're out of time. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. I really do appreciate it. I learned a lot today. Thank you so much, Rodney. You're an absolute pleasure and and just the picture of good etiquette. <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. Good, good. I'm glad I passed the test. You know, <laughs> I was quite worried that I didn't shake your hand right. Did I have eye contact? So I guess I did. All I right. couldn't be more impressed. All right. Good, good, good. <laughs> That's what I told her to say. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Thank right. you so much. We've been speaking to Tiffany Adams. She's founder and president of the Cincinnati Etiquette and Leadership Institute. For more information on Tiffany, you can visit our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. Just go to our Facebook page there now and like us there. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this. Stay with us.